0: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It is your favorite and original African dictator. I have to start by apologizing because I haven't been uh, up to it in terms of podcasts because there's a lot going on in the world right now. You Palestine, Israel, all these world affairs that I have to deal with. Even though I am leader of a micro nation, I still have to be involved. And so today I decided to take some rest. It's Sunday, the 16th of May, And uh, I am looking forward to tomorrow because in England, people are going to be able to hug. And there are lots of laughter Republic citizens who will be able to hug. This is my fourth podcast where I am podcasting from Gagdad laughter Republic. And I have to say to you, because of the problem with power supply, it is very likely that we might have some technical difficulties, but my people will make sure that we are back on air. If the internet freezes in any shape or form, It is because of the power supply. Look, with no further ado, I am here to introduce you to my next guest for episode 46, If Comedians Rule the World. He is a fantastic racist comedian, the most racist comedian on earth. I know that for a fact. Even the way he looks, you can tell. For those of you who are going to be watching this uh, on YouTube, you will agree with me. For those of you who are just going to be listening to it, I'm sure you would want to see what this guy looks like. You see, the pandemic has devastated the comedy industry. There's no two ways about it, but there are some comedians who have done pretty well as a result of it. This man called Jeff Innocent, he needs no introduction. I mean, if you are a comedy lover or a comedian and you've never heard of Jeff Innocent, then you are not, you do not understand what comedy is really about. I am here to introduce you Jeff Innocent, but before I do that, and I'm hoping that the technology works, I just want to show you this video that went viral during the pandemic. And when you see Jeff Innocent, it is obvious he doesn't even know how to use any technology. He was the last person to use Instagram, to join Instagram, and it was up, and actually I remember meeting Jeff many, many, many years ago, he might not remember this, 12 years ago, Before I started performing comedy, I was a civilian before I became an army officer. And I met him on Facebook and we interacted. We used to, I never knew anything about the comedy industry. I am so excited to show you this video. I am really so excited. So please do bear with me while I show you this video.
1: Um, I'm I'm not actually racist by the way. Uh, (laughs) Just just look hugely fucking racist. I'm not showing off, but I'm probably the most racist looking comedian on the entire comedy circuit, in this price range, (laughs) wherever I wear, wherever I wear, I look racist, there's no escape for me, I could be standing here wearing a sari and a turban, I'd still look fucking racist, you know that, there's no escape, no escape. But what's funny, I always think, what's poetically ironic about me looking so fucking aggressively racist, my wife is black, we we do that sort of thing in London, but let me just say this, not easy if you look like me, having a black wife. There are certain things we can't do, sadly, because of my appearance. You know, I couldn't, for example, chase her down the street. <laughs> yeah, 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 fucking enjoy that image for a while, why don't you? Hey, <laughs> Bless her. And, and, you know, it might be, oh no, she's gone to work and left her phone indoors, I better chase her. But they don't see the phone, do they? you see me? Oh, I've always had black girlfriends, just one of those sort of blokes, really, black wives, black girlfriend, and, and from exotic places, fucking hell, you know, Ghana, Nigeria, Sierra Leone. Here's the beauty. I haven't even had to leave the East End of London. Uh, I might be the world's laziest sex tourist. Stump in the curtain. Yeah, fine, that'll do, yeah, that's great, great. Uh, I've got a lot of kids as well, all brown, obviously, but uh, yeah, my fucking brown kids, yeah. Um, And I I live in the uh, London Borough of Newham, which, uh, uh, according to a recent poll, uh, the most recent poll, was voted the 29th happiest borough to live in London that's only got 30 fucking boroughs. (laughs) Those poor fuckers in Brent, that's who I feel sorry for. Get down there. But, the London Borough of Newham, first place ever in the entire history of Britain where, because of immigration, it became more black than white early nineties, before Brixton, before Halton, Newham was the place. So I was there. Not 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 complaining, obviously. And, well well no what, what I me mean is I couldn't because in many ways with all my kids and that I've probably contributed rather significantly. <laughs> to those very statistics, but, but what it means is whenever I am in the company uh, of racist people, which happens quite a lot to me, it, it may come as no surprise to you. I, I mean, not only do they think I'm one of them, I think they think I'm their leader. <laughs> you know, they, they follow me around in the street, I see him, they, I think what it is, is there's, there's so many foreign people in London, they must see me and think, oh wow, fuck me, let's go over there and have a bit of a racist chat. You know, they must think, look at that, a proper 20th century racist bloke who's possibly been cryogenically frozen in the 20th century. <laughs> brought back to life now so that millennials can see what a proper fucking racist looks like. <laughs> but because they think I'm one of them, they're over-familiar. You get that, don't you? When people think you're racist, over-familiar. I get, all right, Jeff, you're still living in East London? Yeah, mate, I am. What would what you mean? Well, you must be the only white person in East London. I can't, like, oh, mate... I'm the only white person in my fucking house.
0: You you have to say, it. you have to agree with me that that was really fantastic. <laughs> well, let me uh, introduce uh, you to Jeff Innocent. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Mr.
2: President. That was a fantastic uh, introduction and welcome. And funny, watching that, I haven't seen that for quite some time. And obviously I haven't performed it for, for even longer. Um, but I was looking at myself rather critically to decide whether I'm telling that joke correctly or not. Isn't that funny? And I actually made myself laugh then because I, I hadn't seen that. But yes, that, that viral video, that's in some ways been life changing, actually. I have to say, it, how ironic that in a year that I don't perform, more people get to see me do comedy than if I am performing via this, 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 this video that went viral. Uh, it changed, it's changed my life. <laughs> I've become a local celebrity. President, I have to tell you, I a lot of young comedians, I think part of their plan now is to have viral videos. And I understand that never been part of my plan. I remember being in the dressing room and one of the younger comedians say, look, Jeff, you're, you've gone viral, you've gone viral. And I I didn't even know what that meant. I said, what does that mean? He went, no, man, look, look. and. Um, and then what happened is uh for the entire lockdown and even now it's still it's still giving wherever i go almost on a daily basis people will stop uh and go you're that guy i walk into shops you're that guy uh where I go so it's it's been fun it's been fun and i'm quite proud of the piece often you know when you do tv you look at it and you think oh no i haven't really i haven't really nailed it but quite pleased with that piece as well. So yeah, I've become a bit of a local celebrity uh with it. I haven't earned any money out of it, but you know, it's, it's been
0: good. It's been fun. It's been fun. I I, I I am really excited for you because you with all respect, you're a, you're an older comic, like you said. I am yeah. <laughs> Instagram and, and Facebook, old school comic. How did sure. it actually feel when you found out that you'd gone viral? How did you how did you feel?
2: Well, I think at first I didn't know what that meant, and okay. it was only over, as it unfolded over time in my everyday life, when neighbours were knocking at the door, people wanting selfies, <laughs> the bakers, the butchers, the car mechanic, all that that kind of stuff. And I I just marvelled at I've been doing comedy for 25 years and sadly one minute and a half video has given me a wider audience than I than I've ever had. In all those years so what what an incredible thing the internet
0: is for that isn't it yeah. you know? jeff don't you think because of the way the comedy industry is and i know that things are picking up for for you white civilian comedians um, <laughs> don't don't you think <laughs> don't you think because of what happened to you that there there's going to be almost like a hybrid of of comedy where there are people who would want to keep in touch with people like you on the internet and there are people who will still want to go to live comedy shows it's going to be a combination um, well i
2: think so um i think the it's only a minute and a half so people will get a little uh, fun side example a couple of jokes but i'm hoping it will encourage people to go and watch live comedy you know or to come and watch
0: me in fact yes definitely I, definitely I i have to say to you i am really disappointed with your bookcase you know
2: well, well it, you know I'd say what happened is um I haven't done many zoom gigs during the lockdown period uh and if I have done I've gone to my friend's house because I don't really have a good signal here it's okay for one-on-one zoom chat uh but also I realized that uh, it means people can see inside your house and uh I had a bit of old-fashioned stuff I've got I've got an interior designer in to to, to, give, to give me a very trendy look of now so it's all uh it's vinyl which is very big i don't think it's books i think it's just music that you can see behind me. apparently look. that's what the kids go for these days vinyl. yeah you know? yeah it's 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 it suits your image i didn't want it you have to be careful because i've seen a lot of people in zoom interviews and they rather pretentiously position themselves in front of the philosophy section of their bookshelf you know? <laughs> but you, um, you... There is. I do want to do that. I hope that doesn't come across. I want to say to all of your followers and citizens and fans of mine,
0: this is the music room. So wherever I go, behind me would be music. But Um, You know what really disappoints me? It's not even the bookcase. It's the fact that you know that you are going to be with me and there is no poster of me behind. There's nothing. Well, I've got to be careful because I'm not sure who else. I mean,
2: I've got to tell you, I have to explain to people, I'm only doing this because you uh, have my wife and family in detention for uh, accusations of spying. So I, you said I'd get them off the foot if you come and do this interview. So um, I support you, President, you know that. Support you, and I'm sorry about the poster. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: But I, I, I will I, get one. And, and and I have broken the record, because normally if you had to do this, you will do this away from your home. But we yeah. make sure yeah. that you, you found a way of making well, sure the internet works.
1: Yeah, but you know, it's, just, it's still under house arrest. <laughs> it's still house yeah.
2: arrest, isn't it? So it is from my home. Yeah. i couldn't find a poster that did you justice president you know now, no, no
0: that is just xy t- that's that, that's by the end of this conversation i will i will let my people know whether we're releasing your wife and your children or whether we're still detaining them sure but,
2: well uh, also in that in that respect um, in, in case i do have to separate from my wife i always like to do, keep myself open for any future wives so if there are any single older ladies from from your uh, country um let me just say that uh, I could be single soon um, uh, and uh, I've been to church today uh, all day I know that uh, older African ladies will give someone respect um, I'm also I mean when I was younger president and um, I was meeting uh, uh, women from from West Africa Nigeria Ghana it's very easy in those days to form relationships with women there are one or two things that would be Quite allure, um, Tupperware containers. They were very popular. Um, uh, 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 food mixers, you know those food mixers when you're making soup and uh, pressure cookers. But I think the modern African woman wants more than that now. So I'm going to have to up my game.
0: You know what is really, you know what is really interesting, is is the fact that you've dated a number of uh, black women from exotic places like Nigeria, yes, and, uh, and yes. Ghana. But you've never. Why haven't you dated someone from laughter Republic? Well, <laughs> I think most of them are married to you. That's part of the problem.
2: <laughs> you've taken them as your wives, but hey, I'm sure we could work out some kind of arrangement. But that's
0: that is the problem. The problem. Uh, when you most help most of them me. since the election, <laughs> since the election, <laughs> became single, and I married them all. But it's good. Look, Jeff, yeah. I want to ask you a question about your comedy career. Uh, you sure. said you started 25 years ago. What made you go into comedy? Um,
2: um, I think that I'd always wanted to do comedy from when I was young. When I was a teenager, I was in drama groups and things like that. And uh, on a couple of occasions, did some stand up comedy in between the plays, not my own material, just doing jokes that I'd seen when I was very young, 16, that sort of age. And uh, then I went to work, you know, and, and forgot about that, but I've always Thought of myself as someone who's funny, always enjoyed making people laugh, always used that as a way of communicating with people. And so as I got older, and, and uh, I think that I had to wait until I was older because there wasn't really a job in stand-up comedy when I was younger, you know, not with alternative comedy anyway. Um, so I think the whole business boomed when I got to a certain age, um, which was about 40, 41. So that's when I started doing comedy, um, which I don't think that would be allowed now, would it? That age, I don't think people are allowed. That's when they retire you now in comedy, <laughs> 41. You're not allowed to start at that time. And so, but I just love love doing that. I like making people laugh and, and you know, found a way of earning a living through doing that.
0: So um, you, were, you were, sorry, I, I missed that. What age, 31 or 41? 41, 41. Oh, so you you started doing it full time at the age of 41? Yes, I
2: did, yeah, yeah. In fact, I got... Uh, for my 40th birthday, somebody bought me a comedy workshop, a course, as a birthday present. So I did that. And then uh, the following year started being open spots. And you know, at the time, though, I was quite naive. I didn't realise that was old for comedy. And in those days, President, it wasn't so much of a, a young people's thing. It's become very youth-orientated with audiences as well uh, and, and comedians. but. But luckily my age is actually probably working for me now because um, I think now that I'm older, there's probably a vulnerability now. You know, I live on stage, I need hearing aids, So I'm not <laughs> as edgy maybe and aggressive as I might've been at one time. So the older I get, I think the, the more cosy and cuddly and acceptable I've become. That's, that's my theory,
0: you know yeah cuddling a racist comedian who wants to yeah 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 (laughs) okay lots of questions for you this is okay yeah keep them coming man yeah yeah. lots of questions because this is the only way i am going to release your wife and children Um, okay (laughs) so that, that 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 if i heard you correctly so between the age of 16 to 41 what were you then doing did you did you feel Did you feel you were missing anything not performing comedy during the ages of 61? Uh, Well, obviously,
2: because I wasn't hadn't really experienced being a stand up comedian. It wasn't something I missed. But I think like a lot of people that become comedians, there's comedy in their life at all times in in their personality, Mm. in the way they interact with people, friends, family Mm. uh, at work. And I was certainly somebody who was like that, probably to a fault, you know, driving people crazy. But stand up comedy has always been part of English popular culture. T V always been around us. So I think that's how I learned how to be a comedian more so, just through um osmosis really, you know. Mm. Um but no I didn't I didn't do any you know I didn't uh, do any comedy until then, you know. Wow. I, I didn't even really go to comedy very much. But you know, I, I grew up knowing all the main people that were around in those days, you know, people like Les Dawson and Dave Vannon and, and all of those people. I don't know if these names mean anything to you. Yeah. So stand up comedy has always been part of the British culture. In fact, whenever I've travelled the world performing stand up comedy, because there are British people all over the world and wherever there are British people or Australians or Americans, there's a stand up comedy culture. Mm-hmm. So because of expats, that, that, unfortunately, I, I haven't been to to your uh, country to perform because I'm not sure if any of the expats are still alive. Well, it's yeah.
0: not even, it's but, not even
2: uh, being, ex- I mean,
0: I- Jeff, <laughs> it's not even, it's not even about expats. Or in detention. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even about expats. Nobody can be funnier than me. Nobody's allowed to be funny. Of course,
2: than me. of course, I understand that. I
0: understand that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't suggest that I would either. So I understand. Jeff, but yeah. you see what I didn't realise until I brought you onto this podcast is that we have, uh, Certain similarities because I didn't start performing comedy until the age of 45. Wow! And I well, remember people, people saying to me then that you have you have joined comedy at the wrong age that it's very very difficult to be able to break sure. it in. Uh, so f- for me the question is when you started at the age of what 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 prompted you to want to do it at the age of 41? I know you, you, you. Well, started. well, actually, okay. So
2: I left school at 16 and became a window dresser in men's fashion. Kings Road, Oxford Street, 1970s, part of the 80s. That was quite a glamorous job in those days, clothes and fashion and the Kings Road. Uh, But then in the mid to late 80s, I went to university because I wanted to do that. So I spent five years there, did one degree, then did another degree and it was during that time when I was doing my second degree that stand-up comedy was becoming a booming industry and I recognised that I could do it now because I always had to earn a living from doing comedy because I had children you know I couldn't just do it I, I thought it's a job here and there was and genres had just exploded they were everywhere the comedy stores. so I I became an open spot and of course yeah I was older than most of the other open spots but still as naive and unknowing, you know, still making the same mistakes um, and, and you know, and just love it so much that I've kept with it. And, and finally worked out how to do it after all those years. Because I think when you start, not really you, a lot of the time, it's how you think it's you and you find a way of doing it and you can earn a living doing it. But if you persevere, maybe you can get it to be really you and and that's when it becomes magic for you. You're telling the truth, you know. And,
0: that, and how long did it take you to know that? Yes, you have actually got this absolutely right. How many years did that take you?
2: Well, I think maybe fifteen.
0: Seriously, I think I'm a slow
2: learner. Well, well, <laughs> I, well, I think I got it right to some extent, you know. And then you just keep getting it more right somehow. I think. And even now, I still think I'm still not quite doing it in the way that I want to, there's still things that I need to do or work out in order to perform stand-up comedy in the way that I really would like. Mm. So it's always work in progress, in a, in a sense. You know
0: what's really interesting? Because I, I I heard this story as well that the likes of Michael McIntyre, who you know, I'm sure, mm-hmm. uh, he had to perform for at least 15 years and even went bankrupt before he actually made it. Right. Am I not right in saying that before the pandemic, the industry—it's like you—you you really have to get there very quickly. They're not—they can't wait for you fifteen years for you to be.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, no, I think I mean I think you can be. I think lots of people are good enough to be on television or to close shows or mm. to earn a living, um, even though they're not as good as they might go on to be. And I, I'm pretty sure there's lots of comedians that that uh, find fame quite early on. And then of course once you find fame as a stand-up comedian you, you almost stop doing stand-up comedy and end up being on, on panel shows mm-hmm. and, and and chat shows uh and and what you know travel shows so they become less a stand-up comedian so maybe they're earning lots of money they're having a great time but maybe they could have gone on to be better comedians i'm sure they're not worried by that but i'm just saying yeah i yeah. think the fact that i haven't found fame in that way has meant that I've carried on developing my
0: stand-up comedy. Yeah. Is that is that make sense. Oh no, so, it um, makes it makes it makes perfect sense, and it's not okay. one that I have genuinely thought about in terms okay. of you know the panel shows. Oh, sure. I mean, how many? I mean, if you look at someone like Johnny
2: Vegas, for example, which is not an example. I mean, he was a brilliant stand-up comedian, mm-hmm. but. Most people who know Johnny Vegas don't know that he ever did stand-up comedy. Mm. They know him as someone from from sitcoms or adverts or mm-hmm. chat shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, although, yeah, so he was somebody that was a, a fantastic stand-up comedian. But mm. I reckon there are a few people out there that, that, if they hadn't found fame, would probably stay being a circuit comedian as I have, and maybe you know become even better. But they probably don't care, do they? You know, I mean. <laughs>
0: Do you do you think? If... I mean, if,
2: you know, I'd, I think I'd rather have the money. I think sometimes, you know. Yeah, yeah. Also, I think because look, here's another thing. How about this is a theory that because I've never really earned big money from stand-up I've only earned a living because I'm a circuit comedian. Yeah. That difference between being even if you're a closing actor, everyone books. The difference between being that and someone who's on TV all the time financially is huge. And I wonder sometimes if because I'm always need to go to work. I'm not somebody that can stop I've always got my foot on the gas developing the comedy mm. making sure gigs are good wanting it to be good and I wonder sometimes if comedians don't have that hunger still
0: because they're more comfortable it's impossible what mm. do you do you if 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 one day uh even if you're going deaf or you you <laughs> or you can't Which go, I am yeah I am. <laughs> and, and someone says to you Jeff we want you on Life of the Apollo or, or, or on a panel sure. show, you you wouldn't you won't, uh, say no oh, to that.
2: Oh, of course, and so I'm not against doing television. I mean, mm-hmm. I have done television. You know, the Comedy Store presents, I've done that many times. Uh, mm-hmm. The stand-up show that the BBC used to have, mm-hmm. um, Channel 4 when I first started. Uh, but I think lots of people do TV to that level when they're new. TV mm-hmm. does like new people. So often when people are new, they get lots of TV work on stand-up shows and they think they've cracked it, but they're just they're just new TV fodder. That's cool. Mm. So I had my experience of that. I've done some acting. I've, I've you know I've been in TV programs and movies, um, but all the while I've been sticking with my stand-up and working out how I should do it, what I want to talk about. You know, that's always been an ongoing project with me, and still is. Mm. Really, you know.
0: Why why do you think that the TV people uh tend to go for newer acts rather than comedians who might have been going for years well i think that it becomes about the relationship between
2: agents and management and the media so management always looking for new fresh faces a manager's not going to want to take on somebody who's been doing it for years so partly it's, it's to do with that i think um you know uh, and of course, yeah, just new faces. We've seen those ones. Let's see some more people. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so I probably, you know, I may do TV again. But this, this video thing, this is a different medium, which actually I think has eclipsed TV in some ways in terms of of you being noticed. You know that uh, this, this very video, that's a minute and a half long. I I would probably need to be on EastEnders for a year to get that <laughs> kind of response. Who knows? That's maybe. Kind of you, there's you... something different about it being short because uh, it was beautifully edited by 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 simon mason at the comedy store and it has to be short uh but um uh, and and also it's in people's houses it's on their phones there's a different relationship isn't it in the way that they're, they're they're looking at it and taking it on mm. uh, they're, they're checking they're showing it to people at work and, and that's how the those short videos work and become become mm. viral so maybe it doesn't matter now i mean i I don't, I don't earn any money from the viral video i mean i <laughs> more money but um
0: yeah you should you should you should find as you say you're you're, you're a local uh, celebrity uh, how many i know you've only got one wife how many children have you got um well, i don't <laughs>
2: i've got <laughs> oh no um uh four four well, yeah. th- those are the ones that you know yeah, no, 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 I'm not getting into this because <laughs> I've in the past, I have talked openly about this topic and it has created a problem for me afterwards. No, 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 that, that is but, fine.
0: Don't worry, That that uh, is fine. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's so, just a... Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, four, four. OK, four. so do, do, they, do they all find you funny? Um,
2: yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, the main, my main, when I say my main child, the one that lives at home, who's 16. He used to, I used to take him to one or two places If I was staying over, he'd come down with my wife and I put him in the corner. And he became a big fan of stand up comedy. But I don't think he's that impressed with my stand up comedy. He was a big Russell Howard fan when he was about 14. Then he moved on to he moved on to Bobby Mayer, you know, so he's quite a sophisticated uh, purveyor of stand up comedy, but I don't think he's that impressed. Also with me, I still like to do dad jokes with him. You know? <laughs> so he's not getting my best work on purpose. But there's something great about doing dad jokes and watching your kids go, Oh, that's terrible. Mm. Especially if you're a professional comedian. Mm. I don't think people realize professional comedians like to do bad jokes as well when they're at home. You know, we don't all for sort of great material. So. Um, in fact, here's the latest one was uh <laughs> i'm laughing so i'm just gonna let people know it's not always that high standard i came in and said to my son i've just walked past the church yeah and there were a lot of birds in the car park you know what they were didn't you birds of prey and you know i think he was going to call
0: child life but at home that's the sort of thing that makes me laugh yeah you know? certainly certainly uh, you have been one of my Funniest guests in terms of the conversations we've been having on the phone. To oh, okay. Prepare. So, who are you normally talking to then? <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe that. Yes, yes. No, it was, okay. it, it, it's, been, it's been fun. Jeff, so if you, so you, you know, you were, you were, uh, you were very, very busy just before uh, March 2020 when the pandemic. Yeah. Came. Well, okay. in fact, I was in South Africa. Okay. In
2: the Cape Town Comedy Festival, but yeah. then came how back to have nothing you, how have you coped since over not the last well. year well not very well with the first half the first i think there's this i see it in, in three sections i think the first section was not good for me didn't handle that very well um you know uh because i didn't think comedy was coming back i don't know I got it into my head that that was the end and i wouldn't be doing that anymore and i'm sure like a lot of people suddenly to have the thing that you love doing so much is not there anymore that was that was very difficult uh but then there were some outdoor gigs weren't there there was a little a little ray of sunshine and i just seized on that and that helped i think the 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 viral videos helped me all the way through you know because i thought well i'm still sort of doing it but not doing it you know did you did the you motorbike. do any
0: driving gigs i not did you do any driving gigs driving gigs
2: no i didn't do any of those at all i didn't like the look of those i didn't really enjoy doing the zoom gigs actually i did i didn't really do many i found it very it wasn't very satisfying they I, I, I didn't enjoy it very much uh, and no disrespect to any of the people that saw me on zoom i think audiences still liked it but i found it uh very unrewarding you know yeah yeah so, i i i, I
0: enjoyed any it. of those I oh I did quite a few. are okay. times I arrange some with my fans uh, and citizens. I love the fact that I can imagine that they may be half naked watching me and they imagine well, yeah, that I'm half probably naked.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but I imagine in your position where, where you are, you are making them watch it in the sense Yes, that yes. It's going through on their on their screens and they have no choice.
0: De- definitely. But I I, I, I I hear you, but uh, it's propaganda videos. But, but yeah, think, very hard. Very yeah, hard. I think I think what I admire is the is how pe- the tenacity and how people have really been able to adapt to change. Because mm-hmm. one year of no live comedy, as a comic, you want to find a way of interacting with your fans or new audiences. Sure. And Zoom yeah. gave people that opportunity. And uh, were, that's true. And there's that's some comedy true. promoters who actually got the technology absolutely right. Yes, they
2: did. That you yes, could actually enjoy. Some of them were quite advanced, and and uh leaders in that field weren't they one or two people they got it right straight away um i think it's here to stay the zoom thing in, in some ways there'll be people i got cut off from of the zoom gig actually and um, it was a private gig and um i was in the person's house and his, his brother had organized the gig for his work friends the, the office and he was the office manager and as i was talking they cut me off because they thought that my subject matter might be um inappropriate for his staff he took the decision I know I know it's you part of that new sensitivity that, that that's around at the moment uh part of you know the, the, the cancer culture and the sensitivity around because there are key words and sometimes people don't hear what you're saying and uh and like with that video for example I I'm probably I reckon that some of the people that really like that video liked it for different reasons I think you know, I think some people that were racist thought, "Hey, wow, we've got this racist guy. Isn't he funny?" <laughs> and uh, have interpreted it in a way that that, that that they've seen it. I'm sure that's happened. I'm sure that what because I think what made it go viral is the subject matter and the timing. It hit a nerve at the time. If you remember, the Black Lives Matter stuff was going on. Yeah, people were confused. They weren't sure what they thought. There was all the talk about this idea of uh, uh, white privilege that people didn't understand. Mm. So I think that video calmed people down, Uh, not intentionally. I don't think I could have ever second guessed that. It just happened to be subject matter, what's the word, zeitgeist, I think. And I I think that's what happened. So I I guarantee some of those million people or, or however many people watched it would be people that thought, I love this guy, he's racist, And uh, we love this racist stuff.
0: I'm sure that's (laughs) like Alf Garnet, the character Alf Garnet. Yeah. Um, You're familiar with Johnny? I know Alf Garnet. I know Alf Garnet. You see, I like that. You know, it's funny. What's really interesting is before I came on for the podcast, I had a visitor. So I was playing your video, Mm -hmm. and he happens to be a very church religious man, Mm -hmm. uh, very close to the pastor. And when he saw it and heard, what you were saying he said he can't say that i said no this comedy it's just jokes <laughs> yeah sure
2: well yeah i mean stand-up comedy is is still a medium isn't it to say stuff increasingly so mm. the people all over the world are using stand-up comedy as a medium to mm. to make their point mm. um and to communicate a bit like hip-hop in that respect mm. you know uh, um but i think that maybe it's uh but i'm careful anyway you know i'm not i'm not um, you know, I, I realise how things may come across, So I think very, very uh, hard about the words I use and the point I'm making and, you know, so that, but that you can still get uh, misinterpreted. And often with stand-up comedy, you know, people in the audience, they only have to look away for a few seconds, and they'll miss part of the joke, and then get this
0: part, you know, um, and they think, oh, well, that's racist, <laughs> you know. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to ask you about the Cancel culture, and, okay. and 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 this, uh, for, you know, I I don't support freedom of speech anyway. But, so. Of course, of course. <laughs> but you know, I having spent some time in England, I know there is this cancel culture and the view that you can't just go on stage and say anything just to be funny. What what is sure. what is your view on that? What is? Um, I
2: think it's um, uh, I think it's uh, to do with social media, and I think it's an age-related culture of response you know so i don't think you know there there are lots of clubs i go to where you' are into much older much more clued up and um you know they, they wouldn't be buying into that kind of attitude but at the same time you know fair enough to to be up on stuff and to 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 be active politically you know although i did get attacked as well i I mean, you see, this is where it goes wrong. I got attacked uh, and accused of being racist, when obviously uh, these members of the didn't couldn't really see what I was talking about. They were very drunk and very young. Um, And uh, they, they, yeah, they, they accused me of being racist. The audience turned on them, they got up and left. And then I carried on, but then suddenly they were on the stage. One was trying to get the mic, one was trying to grab me and they were being dragged off the stage by the staff, it became a big, a big incident, you know, uh, but part of that, that sensitivity, that culture, where people we are dealing with people, they not quite understand what we are talking about a lot of the time, or don't see the nuance. Mm. Um, just hear keywords, often keywords can be a thing. Mm. I often have to change words because they mm. they can create a, a response in the audience that you don't want. There's No, there's no good just going, well, that's the way I want to do it. You have to find a way of you know, mm. getting your ideas across. Okay. In you.
0: So, you, you've been doing comedy now for the but past. Don't
2: forget, don't forget, I come from, I started in the alternative world. You know, I started in the post mainstream world where it's all about being anti racist, anti sexist, mm. you know, anti homophobia anyway. Mm. So, in some senses, cancel culture is just a, 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 a sort of social media name for something that we've been doing
0: anyway. Yeah. You've been, you, you, you had 25 years of experience in the comedy industry. Has comedy, the industry, changed for the better or is it worse, comedy in general? Um,
2: I think it's got better. Um, I think that comedy gigs are better. I seldom now go off to do a gig and come across an audience that I think are hostile or drunk or heckly or difficult. It hardly ever happens now. Whereas that used to be every gig you'd go to expect that kind of culture. So I think it's got better. I think audiences are better. And there are more
0: different types of gigs. Yeah, I think it's great. You know, Mm -hmm. I do. Am I right in saying my my CIA, Comedy Intelligence Agency, they told me that you have a you've studied comedy courses, haven't you?
2: Well, not studied comedy culture. I mean, I think what happened is um, I became, for the, let's say for the first ten years, I just did comedy because I could do it. I didn't think about it too much, had some good material, earning a living, having fun. And then I began to think more about what I was doing and about comedy in general. And then part of that was to run comedy workshops for for people that wanted to be comedians. And I did a workshop myself uh, with Tony Allen. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Tony Allen. I know, I know Tony
0: Allen. I know
2: architects of, of alternative comedy. He's quite a character um, and he has very strong views about comedy as art. And I agree with most of his views, but it's about adapting that to entertainment, trying to somehow meet in the middle with its little entertainment through entertaining people. So, um, So I tried to carry on some of those traditions in my teaching to get people on the right foot because I made lots of mistakes. I cringe sometimes at some of the stuff I used to do, some of the jokes, some of the material. I'm sure we all do when we look back. So I figured that I could um, help new people to not make those mistakes from the very beginning. I think the key thing actually, President, is thinking about your community, you know, thinking about what you're doing, knowing what you're doing. Whereas I didn't do that for years, I just did it somehow, instinctively, because I was a bit of a funny guy. Um, But then I thought more, analysed it, and uh, I think I would get more out of it, I'm a much better comedian, and I urge people to think
0: about their comedy more. Have Have an agenda almost, you know. What is your view? Naturally funny comedians? Can comedy? Can comedy be thought? Can you be thought to be funny?
2: I think you can. Uh, yeah, you can teach people to be funnier than they are. I'm not saying you can teach people to be funny who could never be funny. And in truth, sometimes on the workshops there are one or two people that you know would never be comedian, but they might be good enough. There's a, you know, one thing that has changed when I started. I was an open spot and there weren't really open spot clubs. You know, there were open spot parts of the evening, or you'd go to a club and be the only open spot. So your plan it, it was to not be an open spot and get become a paid comedian. Uh, whereas now you can stay being an open spot and do it as a hobby, can't you? There are, there are clubs that cater for people at all different levels of, of ability and, and interest and dedication. So lots of people can operate on that hobby level if they want, you know.
0: A personal question.
2: Oh dear, not about wives, please. Yes, about wives. What <laughs> about churches? You know, i say, you, you know, I wanted to tell you, I've worked something out and I, I think um, I don't go to church, actually. Um, 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 but I've noticed that African churches thrive; they're thriving and building and developing, whereas English churches are closing down.
1: Yes, yeah.
2: and I think it's to do with practicality because it seems to me that an African church can be anywhere; it can be, you know, in an old snooker hall, a disused warehouse, the local leisure centre. Whereas, whereas uh, an English church, it takes a hundred years to build. You know, they're they're chopping down forests to make the wooden pews. They're they're smelting metal to make all the all the stuff, you know, all the crosses and stuff. And uh, it's, it's stone is involved, whole generations of people hand their skills down in order to get this church built. It takes a hundred years, whereas whereas an African church, all you have to do really is is just go down to being few, get some white plastic garden furniture, stick it in an empty hall, and that's sanctified. So that's. <laughs> That's why I think African people, they don't muck about. They want a church. We're going to have it there. And
0: I like that. Yeah, that. That, that, that is a good point. But I will tell you why I think African churches are really getting more successful Okay. I've been to some English churches. I if whenever I arrive at an English church, I feel like I'm going to sleep within five minutes. There's, it's yeah, dead. It, it's boring. It's yeah. literally dead. Sure. There's vibrancy. It's like they're waking sure. from die. Now I, 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 there is a vibrancy. There's obviously
2: a, there is a you know you are right about English churches. They can be boring. um
0: uh,
2: I don't want to get into denominations because I could get into trouble. You know what? <laughs> at the same time, you know, African churches are vibrant, but they don't always choose the best singers to sing the songs in the church, do they? Let's be honest. You know. <laughs>
0: And then whoever's on the drums sometimes may not even have to have any drumming background. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just hoping that your wife that I'm detaining is doesn't go to church. I hope you're not going to my church. Uh, well, uh, I think she's from a Catholic background, which is a whole different thing, and
2: I don't want to get involved in that. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
2: That's. I'm not taking those people on.
0: <laughs> yeah, but the African churches that I believe you're referring to are the Pentecostal churches. Yeah. The music, the I think the the, mu- the music has got. Music. Yeah, the, all day, all the, day. No, food. colourful, you know, yeah. vibrant. The energy, yeah. you know, the yeah. energy is like, you know, it's like when you're watching a comic on stage, there are some comics who just have that energy on stage, yeah. you know, and the yeah. connection that they have with, they engaging with their audience. Just yeah. really, really fantastic. Yeah. I, I was going to ask you another personal question, but you, you might not want to answer, but I will. Okay. You have no choice, but I will a- ask you that. Have you yeah. always dated black women? You never dated white women? Uh. Not always. I mean, when I was younger, um,
2: um, I I um, I used to uh, date Jewish women. (laughs) I think I've always been attracted to the other, you know, to foreigners. I don't know, I don't know uh, what sparked that off. What is that in my psychology? But this is what happens, though, if you do that, and I'm sure this happens to everybody, if you have one or two partners that come from a a different culture their culture then becomes part of your culture so it's very difficult then to to then go and date somebody that's, that's nothing to do with that and has no familiarity with that so certain things become part of my life you know food for example yeah you know um you can't then go and ask an english woman to make jollof rice, or <laughs> can and once you're used to that, you think, "Wow, I think I like this kind of stuff. So that's also of it, music, lifestyle. Uh, ironically, as well, not ironically, just pertinently, as we're just talking, I don't come from a, a Christian background at all. So that's probably the, you know, the big difference where no conflict, because where, you know, most African people, you know, are, are religious uh, and Christians. And I just think, "Wow." How funny that this is the thing that we've stopped doing and people are coming
0: into this country and mm-hmm. and
2: doing it. That's why it's funny to me.
0: Now mm-hmm. yeah. it's really, it's really interesting. So, you know, you know, that favorite joke, once you go black, you never go back. You know, that's, sure. that's, sure. I've <laughs> heard of that. Yeah, but, uh, well, I think
2: it's a bit more specific than that, prison. it's not just black, it's, it's African, you know, and uh, West African and, I mean, my, my wife is from Sierra Leone. Oh nice. Well, and uh, and of course, you know, her family's from Sierra Leone, and over the years you become accustomed to to certain things. But what what's really funny, what's very funny, and I don't know if she can hear me, so I might be whispering. No, this is no, she's in she's, uh, she's, she's intense by my people. She comes from she's Creole from Sierra Leone. Okay? Yeah. so she's middle class, educated. Mm. Her father's a diplomat or was a diplomat when he was in life. You know, she had a driver, she had servants at home that kind of background she, i'm some some white working-class bloke who comes from a bit of a criminal background in the east end and so so it's funny because i think people in a racist way assume that our differences would be i come from the west and i'm always sophisticated whereas it's the other way around you know uh she's the person that, that comes from an educated middle-class background She has a very english accent she can speak her own languages as well And, but I come from, uh, my multiculturalism is actually more Jamaican in growing up. Um, So we have situations where people, she she has dreadlocks as well, by the way. More like a funky dread, you know, like um, soul to soul, Mm -hmm. that sort of style. Mm -hmm. And she gets hailed or approached by, say, Jamaicans or as in the street, she can't speak, she can't, whereas I can. (laughs) I have to interpret. I go, no, no, what? So I, I, sometimes we've little lessons to go, right? If you get approached, you have to do this, you have to say that. And I think that's hilarious, you know, because that's how culture works, isn't it? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Well, I'm
2: the person that would go and make a sandwich and not even have a plate or something, you know, but mm-hmm. she would just she's proper and has the net. Uh, so, so I think she probably sees me as some sort of poor white trash person that she's saved. Probably,
0: <laughs> right? I did. OK. Uh, uh, well, I've heard stories about uh, people who date outside their race. Lots of challenges, you know, by acceptance by the society, acceptance mm-hmm. by the families. It, it, did you face any challenges? Why well, I'm not
2: saying? really. I mean, when I was younger, uh, you know, I mean, I when I was uh, in my uh, mid 20s, my uh, wife at that time was Nigerian and uh, she was uh, Yoruba. And uh, so that was my the first sort of relationship I had that was uh, African, if you like, and not Caribbean. You know. mm. um, uh, and the I don't think it's about race; it's culture that there's a difference. Really. I think that could be there could be cultural differences, but those things really religion is is could be the main problem. But usually, the generation of women that I've met or known who come from an African background. Have, have not religious like their, their parents you know they've moved away from that generally speaking um so you know maybe pepper soup is probably the biggest hurdle i've had to get over as an englishman <laughs> <laughs> when you when you eat it for the first time and you can't believe you know and you can't even think your eyes are running and you're crying and your nose is running but you still have to you still have to tuck it up but here's something i noticed and i don't know if people still do this um is that uh, when i one of the things that used to happen to me is when i was presented with food because i was english they put a knife and fork next to the food and i figured that was some sort of test you know? <laughs> so i thought if i use this knife and fork i'm going to fail the test
0: i know that you know? <laughs> so that was an interesting thing that, that was an interesting you you, you you remind me of my student days in england and I had this friend, this Englishman, who came to my house, and I cooked him some pounded yam and uh, a goosey soup with some mm-hmm. meat. And he tasted it, and within a few minutes, he just went straight to sleep. He just <laughs> knocked him out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 of course. And
2: then he woke up and said, "What did you feed me? What did you?" Feed? <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. That's the pounded yam. So pounded yam settled, man. You know what my wife did to me? Check this out. She really conned me when we first met. She uh she because I love uh ground rice, okay, love ground rice. And uh she said to me in my country the men stir the ground rice. So she had me there for years and hours, you know, just just breaking my arm, stirring the ground rice to get it right. And then I found out from her aunt that there's no such tradition in her family. <laughs> <laughs> she just gave me the labour work, you know. Fast. So it was a class difference where he sees me and <laughs> did some sort of sermon well, but
0: jeff you passed the test you passed yes. the test. yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> look jeff it's been a pleasure you know I, I i have a a criteria that if i am not enjoying the podcast i need yeah. to stop within 30 minutes 25 oh minutes. really oh okay how long has this been going on then we 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 have been going on for well over well, it's
2: almost an hour oh wow yeah i don't feel that i've contributed very much you know that i I don't, I mean, I'm hopefully in the edit, you will make me look good. Can I just say, my, dog, <laughs> my dog's talking to me because he doesn't realize, he's sitting next to me, my dog, oh, and he doesn't you, realize, hold on, okay, okay. He doesn't realize I'm talking to somebody else. They can't work that out. So I'm next to him talking, he thinks I'm talking to him.
0: No, no, yes. no, no you, this this is a bit this has been about you and it's been it's been a comedy education. So I don't know why oh, I, hope, I, hope, I, hope so. I hope it's entertaining and informative. Uh, no, it no, it's, uh, been, it's for the people been, of oh, your country. No, it's it's co- it's covered so many things. Uh, okay. the comedy, uh, how your comedy okay. started your attraction to black women. No, black no, you <laughs> You're gonna. I know that you're going to get me into trouble with this one. So, <laughs> I'm going to keep this one hidden, you know that. <laughs> there is still, look, you know, you know what's really interesting because you keep asking me whether there's going to be some editing. You know, I don't believe you, you, you Westerners, you always like freedom of speech, don't you? Uh, yes, Ed- <laughs> editing <laughs> is for <free of> your speech. <laughs> okay, it's, it's so you think you're going
2: to be able to just run this through without editing? Is that what you're saying? You think? Yeah, to...
0: I will. I will just send it to my people and say, look, let's just publish this, including. Uh, I'm, where, I'm happy with that, including happy. where you know, because this, this, it's not your fault that your your internet froze. This was more power supply. Oh, there was that. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, but it's it's all that's good. your secret service playing with
2: secret my service. Yeah. secret service. Yeah. Software. So.
0: I I I don't know about you, but I have thoroughly enjoyed myself. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. It's a, pleasure, and, uh, it's, and a it's, privilege. It's it's, it's <laughs> no look, Jeff. I don't think you realize how much I respect and admire uh my admire you as a comic, but obviously getting to thank spend you. time with you has been an education for me. Oh, thank you very well. I tell you thank I tell you one me. thing, because you know I have been performing uh in the UK over the last 11 years. What resonates with me is what you said about thinking about your comedy, and sure. it was only when I uh, stopped uh, during the pandemic because there was no gigs that I started thinking about my comedy. I started thinking about mm-hmm. where am I going with this and sure. what I'm actually saying on stage. And it's just
2: it one... makes a difference.
0: It Sorry, my difference. dogs are checking me. Yeah, it makes it makes a difference because. <laughs> all that
2: story. That's a really important point. Let me put this. My dog's attacking me while you're while you're saying something. Say <laughs> oh. <laughs> hey, hello to the president. Hello. hello. What's your dog's name? The there? Yeah. Hello, dog. <laughs> um no, let me put my my ear close back in because yeah. I can't hear you right. Um,
0: you want me to repeat what I said? Yeah, 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 because I think that was a good point. So what it. I was saying is that that as one of the things that resonates with me is about you thinking about your comedy, sure. thinking about what you're sure. saying on stage and, and what is it exactly you're doing in terms of your comedy. And I know uh, before the pandemic, I was just busy, Jeff. I was always constantly busy over the weekend. Mm-hmm. Not, there was no time to strategize Ooh. or to think about my comedy. Sure. But then the opportunity arose. During the pandemic, I had some time to actually reflect because there were no gigs, and I'm just sure. thinking, okay, reflecting on the act, reflecting on the jokes. Yes, yes, yes. Jokes, I just thought, damn, how could yes. I have said that? <laughs> yes, exactly. I think we will go through those developments. Yeah. So I, I, I whatever it is, it's still good for that. I, I, and this is what is really interesting for me, and I'm not, you know, I might be deluded, you know, as a as a dictator, but. While some people are worried about the fact that they haven't gigged for well over six months or seven months and they might be rusty, mm-hmm. I actually needed that break. I genuinely think I am yeah. at by just having well, that one year off. Yeah, I think it's true. I I worried mostly
2: because I'm very big on momentum. I always think that you carry your development with you with every gig. Mm-hmm. You're thinking about it, trying to develop, trying to progress, trying to develop your material, new material, trying to invent the way you deliver your material mm. um, and uh, all of those things all the time I'm thinking. And I think that they come with momentum. So I was horrified about there being no momentum, no gigs. But when I did go back after a couple of weeks, I thought, actually, that break has been a good thing. I I feel clearer now. I feel slightly different about the whole thing. More relaxed, as you say. So I'm hoping that that, that will come with the when we start back next week. Mm. And, and uh, yeah, it's good. So think about your comedy all the time. What's yeah. your What's your agenda? You know, yeah. what why, why are you there? Okay. okay now, you're there. What, and what,
0: why are you saying that? All and what what's what's your best advice for newer comics? Because I I in a way I feel very sorry for them because I I genuinely believe that uh, the 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 newer comics, especially those who started during the pandemic, haven't really mm-hmm. had the opportunity uh um, oh, live uh, and, and, yeah. and, and perform yeah. the material they've been doing on zoom and they're going to be they're going to be horrified by their first live gig i believe <laughs> <laughs> well that's if they get a
2: live gig because it seems to me they're going to prioritize established acts that they know are guaranteed for a while
1: yes because of smaller audiences and smaller mm. bills mm.
2: so hopefully as i said some of these other clubs that are not necessarily professional will give new people a chance to to develop their, their comedy but I couldn't give anyone career advice, but um, I could give them, uh, you know, one thing I, I've, I've developed that I'm very big on, that sometimes we forget, you know, I often think about there's a big difference between comedy and acting, you know, we're not actors, but at the same time, we often go out with a script in our head, and how can we not just be actors delivering our script, and I think the key is to be in the moment for all time. Uh, and that means when you go with your your script, move it around, you know, add things, take things away. Always be in that moment rather than just delivering a script. And I think that's something I have to remind myself of sometimes: to be in the moment. You know, this is a different gig, with a different audience. You might have the same body of material, but you might pitch it slightly differently. You might prioritise a routine over another one. You might start with something different. So all the time being the moment constantly would be my main advice and it's something i have to, I write that at the top of a piece of paper before i go out to stop me from just going out and delivering a script you know? so that's my, my big advice obviously obviously acts that improvise all the time are in the moment and they live and die by being in the moment That's um but we can't all do that we're not all improvisational comics but there can be moments Mm-hmm. So, have an agenda think about your comedy and when you perform be in the moment know exactly where you are
0: while you're doing that is that simple advice you think Does that help? that That's that helps you, I mean. that that helps civilian comedians it doesn't help a military dictator but it helps <laughs> <laughs> I can't help you there I'm afraid <laughs> so uh Jeff I I I there. I won't delay you any further and now uh, away from your family and children is a long time oh that's why i've come here to get away from them <laughs> yeah so <laughs> while they're still with me well um, I, I i have some good news for you you have really entertained me you uh you have addressed a number of issues that 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 i also wanted to find out about uh comedy you know because i genuinely haven't regarded myself as a comedian just a president and all these people just start. I, I remember one of the things I didn't say to my viewers and audiences is that I—it's not uh, every time I spend uh, spend this, I'm on stage with uh, Jeff Innocent. You know, it's almost like once a year I get to meet him. Yes, yeah, sure. <laughs> I, I haven't
2: worked with you very often ever, but you're—I mean, you're—you're you're very good yourself as well. You know, the last time I saw you, you were amazing. Thank you. It amazing. Thank
0: you it. Yeah, comedy. Comedy is hard. Comedy is competitive. Yeah, yeah it is sometimes. <laughs> It's hard to get. Run. It's harder. It's, it's harder than running the country. I must tell you, very, very hard. Yeah. yeah. Thank but uh, thank you for your compliment. So, folks, I'm going to release thank Jeff, you. and I'm going to say to Jeff, that I'm going to release his wife and his children. Thank uh, you. But, but what we are going to do? This is the deal. The deal is this: that I release his wife and children. Two things will happen. Number one, he will come and entertain us in Laughter Republic one day. He will have okay. to travel to Laughter Republic. Come to our city called Goddad. I want Jeff in Gagdad, we will go okay. for Jeff at Gagdad. I would and love to do too. that. I would love Number to do two, that. I hope that uh, once the lockdown is uh, over, that we get to meet, because I've really enjoyed talking to you, Jeff. So maybe we can meet for a bottle of Nigerian Guinness and jollof rice. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And some, just have a chat and not talk some about comedy we we'll have mm-hmm. some palm wine let's and, just and, let's and, just go to an african restaurant yeah? yes yes i um, think that would be yes. th- i think that would be a good comedy sketch I, i'm dressed up in uniform you yeah, look yeah. like a racist we're going to the nigerian yeah. restaurant together
2: yeah yeah <laughs> well there is one near me we could try it actually that would be funny that would be funny <laughs> hey
0: god bless you man thank
2: Thanks you so to much to me. thank so you very much
0: time. folks this is the end of our podcast i hope you have enjoyed uh, what has been a fascinating story Look, uh, one of the things I have enjoyed performing in the comedy industry is the number of people I have met, and there's still a long list of people, I just detain their family and I get them to my interview. So Jeff, you have a wonderful Sunday and stay away from hugging people from tomorrow. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) This show is part of Podomity, the podcast comedy network. We're the best kept secret on Acast why not laugh at what else we've got? Check out Podomity.com now.